0: The Guardians win again, as much as they tried to lose this one. We'll talk about the game. Currently, the Twins are losing, so we'll get into standings. We'll talk about who's replacing 99 when they head to Toronto on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, as I have been since the beginning of this. Uh, There's been no substitutions, changes, ever. I've been here for nearly 800 episodes. Uh, Before that, I was a lead draft and prospect analyst at Scouting 24-7, ...and many a Cleveland sports blog. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever you should get podcasts. After going, hey, I thought you weren't recording today, uh, I found a second burst of energy. It's, uh, it's late, but I'm going. For those who missed it, this is the second time I'm recording this evening. Uh, my Windows 11 issues continue, and for whatever reason, again, recorded a whole episode with no sound. Did a Lockdown Now with no sound. <laughs> eventually got it all figured out. So it should be easy. It should be take two, right? Everything I've already kind of done and talked about. Uh, the last one I was occurring as the game was happening, so you got kind of that anxiety as I jumped in and was like, what's What's James Caron Chalk going to do here? What's going to happen to 99? Bases are loaded. That's kind of how this game went, right? Uh, for those who missed this one, a 3-2 to two win where the Guardians didn't get a base runner after the third inning. At least no hits. There's 20, 20 players in a row set down for the Guardians. They came out of House of Fire and then crashed to the earth after that. On um, the other side of things, Detroit had so many opportunities. You go into the fourth inning, they get two runs across, but they had runners at second and third with one out, I believe. And Savali worked his way out of that. Then you come back in the fifth, Sam Henches struggles out of the gate, has a runner at first and third with nobody out. And Andreas makes a heck of a call. Instead of going for the double play, which is what, you know, you just get... That gets burned in your brain. Go for the double play, go for the double play. He knows that scope doesn't run well. Throws the ball to home and gets him out. That's the difference in this game. Uh, what a smart heady play. They get out of that inning with no damage. Then you come to the eighth, where it's still a 3-2. Yeah, in the eighth, 3-2 lead. And you get, what, a, a single and then a hit batter... And, I mean, 99 was having a hard time. This was not his best performance. And it's only been, what, he's now over 15 innings uh, this year. I'm still not quite ready to call him 100% back, but he has been quite good, you know, most of the time. There's still those times the command has always been his issue, and it definitely was an issue in this one. But it wasn't 99 that saved them. If you watch that inning when, I can't remember who got the hit, but when the hit happened, they could have sent the runner. It could have sent the runner, and it. I felt like a lot of that was them fearing Nolan Jones. They decided not to run on Nolan Jones, have the bases loaded with one out at the time, and, yeah, they. you know, 99 comes out, <laughs> gets some, I believe, full count for each of them, but then strikes out the next two batters. They get out of it. They win 3-2. to Savali so was only able to go four innings, but he was actually pretty effective in those four innings. You know, the... Further, so I thought before we get into you know all the little things we normally do with the game, you know I, I was watching this one and I don't always watch the local broadcast and tonight some degrees reminded me why. One, I appreciate it if you're watching it. Anyone else catch the nugget about you know what makes Brian Shaw so good is his ability to just you know forget about a loss and it's forget about a bad appearance. And all I could think as they're talking about this is uh I mean he's had a lot of practice, right? Like of course he can. Yeah, I mean, the guy hasn't posted. He's got five straight years of posting a negative war, and somehow still he's third on this team in appearances. No, second in appearances. I'm sorry, second behind Class A, over 40 appearances. And remember, his escalators in his contract, he's got a great agent. They're not for being effective because he hasn't been. Uh, he's got a negative .6 war right now. He's been the opposite of effective. It's based on appearances. And knowing the way that Tito is going to overuse him, even though he's not... I mean, he was fine tonight, but he has not been an effective pitcher for the most part this year. Um, and they just keep rolling him out there. And, yeah, he's make, hes going to end up, what, second on this team uh, in salary this year if he hits all of his uh, escalators for appearances, which he might. At the rate he is going, he might end up being like a $5 million signing. Plus, they'll have to pay him, uh, you know, some money for his buyout. <laughs> it's... Oh, fun times with Brian Shaw. Uh, the other funny thing in the broadcast was uh, when they're talking about Whitaker and Trammell and then talking about, you know, the comparative of the wizardness of, of Omar and Robbie. And it's like, I, man, it, it's hard to even talk about Omar Vizcal anymore with all the things that have come up since his playing career. It's like we all thought Albert Bell. And, you know, to not say that Albert Bell uh, didn't have his own share of issues, but, man, he looks like a a choir boy compared to what we've seen with Omar over the past few years. It's amazing. He was the last person I would have guessed that with, but you'd think they would like talk with those, you know, the, the people who are representing this team <laughs> would be like, probably shouldn't reference that dude. Like, let's just leave that in the past. If you want to talk about great infield combinations, uh, talk about, you know, all the time with Kipnis and Lindor and how they were both multi-time all-stars. Let's go there. Let's not, let's not go back. Um, yeah, it was a little bit, I was like, man, I can't believe they were going to sit here and talk poetically about, like I said, there's been so, if it was, if it was something, if it was one thing, but since there's been like three separate things that have come out with Omar, uh, I mean, yikes. But yeah, no, the more yikes was Shaw. Like, no, he, he's very good. You know, he has short-term memory because he's had, you know, 10,000 hours of experience of poor pitching. And, and again, it hurts. To a degree to say that, because when I sat here and did my Ultimate Indians team, going through and talking about war, talking about roles, I mean, I talked about Shaw is potentially in that bullpen, is one of the greatest relievers this franchise has had. He's just not that guy anymore. I mean, he wasn't effective in Colorado. He wasn't effective in Seattle. He's not been effective in Cleveland, but we're still rolling him out there. Uh, We'll get into the nitty-gritty of this game. We're going to then talk also about, you know, the... 99 replacement as this team heads to Toronto and we'll have maybe some peak ends to see if Minnesota keeps losing as well as some uh, standings checks on today's Lockdown Guardians. Listen, I can tell you your liver is it's it's essentially your body's filter, right? You want your body to run at its best. You need your liver to be healthy and when your body isn't running at its best, one of the first things that can have issues is your liver. It's a very important part of your body. And if you want better liver, liver health, you want Liver Health Formula by Pure Health Research. It contains eight liver-boosting supernutrients like turmeric, beets, artichoke extract. I got an artichoke up there. I'm gonna bake it maybe tomorrow in the oven. Artichoke is fantastic, but it also helps your liver. And they're using great ingredients like that in this Liver Health Formula, all of which are gonna work together to help that liver wake up and turn into a toxin-flushing, fat-burning machine. No more uncomfortable digestion. No more feeling tired and low on energy. And best of all liver health formula it makes it easier to maintain a healthy body weight long term as listeners of our show you can try liver health formula risk-free today and get a free bottle of curb fit with your order curb fit is safe all natural and appetite suppressant makes it easy to say no to naughty foods this makes it the perfect complement to liver health formula go get liverhelp.com back mlb to learn more again that's get liverhelp.com back mlb try the liver health formula completely risk-free. And claim your free body of curb fit with Quarter. Go to getliverhelp.com backslash MLB to get started today. The other thing I did think about as I was watching this game, and I couldn't help but think about was seeing Andrew Chaffin come in and just dominate and be like, why isn't he on the Guardians? <laughs> Detroit's not holding on to him for any good. I mean, maybe that's part of the reason uh Avila, it's kind of sad that he got fired. Um just because he's the only Latin American GM in baseball. You know, a, a league that is 30% Latin American, and he was it. So you would have, you know, that that was two degrees sad. But, listen, he's got a $6.5 million uh, contract this year. It's just the way it's set up, it's a little bit. No, that's for next year. Wait a second. This is all screwy. Because it has him with the Cubs. Did he get traded from the Cubs? I'm trying to kind of track this out. Yeah, he signed as a free agent with Detroit. I don't know. He wasn't traded to the Cubs. Why does it have the Cubs listed in 2022? I don't know. I guess it be- oh, because the Cubs decided to buy out his contract. So he signed a six million dollar contract with the Tigers. That's why this got all messy because it included that. It, 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 they should have put them in order, right? Like the buyout happened, then he signed with the Tigers. Not signed with the Tigers buyout. just get the order right baseball reference so he's making six million this year it's a six point five million player option if it doesn't get picked up it's a 500k buyout so he was owned a little more than owed not owned owed a little more than three million dollars not a huge amount and like there's a good chance he because here's the thing would he pick up his player option i even with the great year he's having i think there's a good chance so that's the downside like is that you might have to pay 6.5 next year. And the reason I think you might pick it up is 6.5, by the way, would be the highest amount of money that Andrew Chafin has ever earned. Uh, he is, you know, he has never made that much money in his career in a season. His uh, previous high was six million uh, this year, and before that he was at three million. Which again, I mean, those are fantastic money amounts. Don't get me wrong, but as a baseball player who's already 33, who's going to be 33 years of age, or has already turned. 33. He'll be 33 next June, so he's 32. You know, it's gonna be hard for him to turn out a 6.5. But he has been almost every single season a positive pitcher. I mean, 2020 was a weird year, and that's the one year he didn't post a positive WAR. Uh, the past in 2021, I mean, he was worth across between Oakland and the Chicago Cubs. He was worth 2.9 million. It's almost weird they didn't pick up his option to tr- or 2.9 million. Whew. 2.9 war, that is a phenomenally high amount for a reliever. It's a high usage reliever. He got six million with that six million player option. Uh 6.5 million actually player option. So and he's, you know, again, this year at 32 years of age, 0.7 war. Cleveland needs a lefty reliever. I think it would have been great. Cha- you know, Chaffin for Shaw. And of course, maybe you give him Batonfield maybe it you know I can't see it costing you one of your top 10 prospects I can't even see it costing you one of that like the top 20 guys I talked about because he is owed money and uh, he is older and he's I mean like I said at the end of the day I would you know if it costs you someone maybe it ends up especially if they're taking a contract the other way to help balance out money it's like Maybe it cost you the equivalent of someone like Jose Tenya, since he is kind of like Willie Castro was at a similar point in time a few years ago. Uh, maybe it's something like that, but I, I would do that. For two years, uh, this team needs a lefty reliever. They don't have one. I I think it would have been a great addition. And yes, does it help that he's an Ohio boy? I mean, it makes it easy to sell. It makes people happy. It doesn't bring any extra value outside of that. But now that we've talked about Chaffin, who, you know, if you missed it, his he was in the eighth, one inning, one strikeout, no base runner. I mean, their bullpen combined for four innings with 5Ks and no base runners. <laughs> Cleveland had eight hits and a walk, so that is nine opportunities. They got three runs. That's expected. Other side, uh, eight hits, I believe two hit batters in this one. Yep, and an error. So they had 11 opportunities which is closer to four runs, typically. Uh, but they only got two, and <laughs> it's because of that tightrope magic. Detroit probably should have won this game. They even had, what, th- uh, three extra base hits. Cleveland only had the one triple by Stephen Kwan, who reached base twice in this one, Kwan and Andres. Those guys, Andres, those guys easily are two of our three stars in this game. Uh, let's give the, you know, it, it, the other one, it's like, do you give it to Savali? I think let's give it to Will Benson. Uh, his hit, I believe, knocked in the third run, which was the the winning run. You know, he had the game winning RBI. This isn't hockey, but I'm already stealing three stars, and it was his first major league hit. I kind I understand they brought in a lefty and Giovanni Soto, but let's just let the kids play. Like Owen Miller wasn't going to do anything. You knew it. I knew it. There's no point in in benching uh, Benson for Miller in that situation, and. Oscar Gonzalez probably covers more ground in outfield. Nolan Jones has a better arm. It's kind of a lateral move. I, I, I get the logic at least there to a degree, but just lead Benson in. Miller hasn't done anything since, what, May on a consistent basis. I I wouldn't be pinch-hitting for uh, Will Benson in that situation. Uh, you know, we talked about Stephen Kwan here as one of the three stars. He is now hitting over 300 this year. I have to really dig into numbers um and dig into the new rule change because one of those uh, the rookie of the year rule change i'm just going to adjust this slightly angle there uh so i don't have to keep moving my chin around in an angle but for those who don't remember when they change the rookie of the year this year if a guy finishes top two in the rookie of the year they gain an extra year of service time so instead of being a one year in the books you have two years in the books. so Quan isn't going to be top two that's uh, Julio Rodriguez and Adley Rushman. Those guys are definitely the top two. I, I don't think there's really much debate with what. I mean, Rushman, <laughs> you can make a case that Rushman's the best catcher in baseball right now. Uh, you can, and Julio's one of the most exciting young hitters. That third, you know, so those two will, will you know, it's. Adley was hurt, but one also feels like they waited to promote him and if he had gotten healthy and just immediately even called up uh i don't know because here's the thing if you are originally the talk was if you were a top prospect a top 100 prospect as listed by espn or mlb which i hate <laughs> making it that way It should just be if you were a rookie who started the year not this idea of a top end prospect just a rookie uh now i didn't see that quoted in all places i looked so we'll see but the idea was that if you started the season as a rookie on the opening day roster, and finish top three in the Rookie of the Year race, your team would get a first-round pick. Could Stephen Kwan be there? Potentially. Again, I need some clarification on that. Did he have to be a top one prospect? It's a tight, tight competition for that third spot. The American League is a lot deeper with rookies, a lot more deep with rookies than the, like the National League. You have the two Braves guys, and then... The American League, you've got you know Julio Adlai. and then you've got Jose Miranda with the Twins. You have Jeremy Pena with Houston. You have Joe Ryan with the Twin. Or did I say Joe Ryan with the Twins? No, I said Miranda with the Twins. So you got two Twins guys. Uh, you got Pena. I mean Bobby Witt's the big name, and he hasn't quite lived up to it. But he's. And if I told you right now, the sixth highest uh, batter war amongst rookies belonged to Oscar Gonzalez. Kwan sits fourth right now. He's behind the big two and Pena. Pena slowed up a bit. We'll see. And there's going to be some old school voters who, honestly, will vote for the guy who hit 300 as a rookie. Like, oh, you know, that's that's such a hallowed ground. Uh, to me, it's more that he's got nearly a 390 on base percentage. I get it. He doesn't have much power, but man, he is just he has been something special for the Guardians. And it, I, I read, you know, Travis Sajak does some great work on the score. And he has a piece that uh, I recommend, you know, checking out on. And one of the big revelations for me in that is, you know, they've talked about using the weighted balls with pitchers to, like, help them build up strength and help add some velocity. Apparently, like, Stephen Kwan is using weighted bats, and he has increased, like, his bat speed was below league average, pretty significantly below league average. And he has worked on it, and it is almost up to league average, and at peak – it is, it is there. So he is continuing to get better as a hitter because he's even uh, making himself swing faster. And there's, you know, using uh, lightest bats possible while practicing with heavier bats and things like that. It's really interesting to look at. We're going to come back in segment three, talk about Peyton Beatonfield. If you didn't hear it, uh, he is the player that's been called up. We'll, we'll get into, you know, a few more of the small roster stuff. Jake Jewell being sent down after not having pitched at all maybe well, i don't think they can call them up right away but uh what's gonna happen with cody morris this week as well on today's On guardians blue nile is the original online jeweler they were there first they have been doing it the best uh as i always say jewelry is expensive <laughs> i know i'm blowing your mind at least the good jewelry is expensive and if you want to get nice original jewelry you want to get 24 7 support you want to get fine jewelry or wedding jewelry, you should be checking out Blue Nile. Uh, Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from Blue Nile. And going on right now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement settings. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. So it's getting. uh, I was wrong (laughs) on multiple things. None of my predictions from yesterday's show came true. Uh, They sent Jake Jewell down. They, in terms of who, they didn't. You know, they're not calling up Nick Enright Uh, when they go to Toronto. I I didn't get any of these. None of these are correct. Uh, It is not uh, not one of my shining moments uh, in terms of uh, correctly picking picking what they're going to do. They sent down Jake Jewell. I thought specifically because he hadn't pitched and was a fresh arm, they might keep him up. Uh, and send down Morgan because he had pitched the other day. I mean, they're they're going to need to do something. They used, what, five relievers today to cover those five innings after Savalle um, went out of this one. Uh, Savalle, again, had a, a pretty solid outing. It just he couldn't go very deep. And, I mean, that third, the, the fourth inning, he gave up two runs. But, man, he walked a tightrope to not give up more. So credit him there. They uh, they sent down Jewel. To bring up Savale, I'll be curious to see if there's any more moves coming. Just because again, they spent the pen heavily today, and it was three relievers the day before. Uh, I don't know if we will see Class A tomorrow. Probably, we'll probably see 99 again tomorrow because he's getting the weekend off. Uh, they've already announced that when he is the only unvaccinated player when he goes to uh, when they go to Toronto, he's not coming. They're gonna call it Pete and Beatonfield and. I thought this was an interesting choice, and I did not profile him yesterday. And the reason I didn't profile him yesterday is he just hasn't been that effective. He was a ninth-round pick at Oklahoma. I'm trying to remember exactly which round. He was not a high pick. Yeah, ninth-round pick. thing is, outside of his freshman year where it was only like six innings, he has always missed bats. His lowest strikeout rate uh, before he came to Cleveland was a 9.96 as a sophomore at Oklahoma State. His strikeout rates in the minors have been stellar. Came to Cleveland last year, goes to Double A, and his strikeout rate had been eleven over eleven. In Cleveland, uh, it was only about thirty-five innings, but dropped to nine. And this year, it's it's five point eight six. Uh, his walk rates that had always been in the ones uh, jumped over three. Now three isn't bad; three is still good. But when you go from being like one point seven to three, that is a big change. So he's his strikeout rate is almost half of where it was a year ago, and his walk rate is almost double. The other side of things, he leads the Guardians minor leagues in innings pitched. I'm sure he expected to have had an opportunity by now. Um, you know, he's seen lots of you know Hunter Gaddis passing by. Who, I mean, at the start of the year, if I was making a list of who is certainly going to be added to the Rule Five, Beatonfield would have been on that list, and Gaddis would have been a maybe. Things change, obviously, but yeah, it's just to, you know, to talk about La and Naylor, and their their, you know, uh, the difference between 21 and 22 for those two guys, it stands out, and it's, uh, you know, they're rewarding Batonfield putting in the innings, the fact that he has been, every time they've needed a starter, it hasn't been him. He has been uh, overlooked. If he had already, ha- like, if they had had to add him to the 40-man last offseason, they would have added him, and he probably would have gotten some of those Pilkington opportunities. But, instead, uh, he has been down there in AAA, and i I don't think they're adding him. Uh, you know, I, I reached out and mentioned uh, you know Andrew at Fever Dog, and he sent me some additional information on this. Uh, he will accrue three days of service time. He doesn't, you know, obviously is not added to the 40-man roster. This doesn't affect the 40-man at all. It essentially is a way to reward someone who maybe you weren't planning to add to the 40-man, kind of like they did with Tanner Tully at points this year um, when they had the COVID issues. Now, I say that, but at the same time, we saw some of those guys stick around and get multiple opportunities, uh, being kind of the stretch guys for this organization. Uh, but, yeah, that, and then on the other side, Karen check will not get three days of service time and will not get paid for um, not playing. So, you know, Batenfield is a, I mean, he's a starter all the way. Uh, again, it's, it's just interesting that he's come to Cleveland and immediately – the strikeout rate dropped, and what's interesting is he's been less home run than prone this year. I don't know if he's, like, working on something or what is going on, but you don't see a lot of guys who have nearly, you know, what, a 40% drop at home run rate going from Akron, which is built like a major league park in dimensions, to Columbus, which is a bandwagon. It's, you know, very easy to hit the ball out there. So it's an interesting change, good for Baitonfield though he's getting this opportunity, he I assume they'll let him get in. You can't promote him and not let him play, uh, because again, I don't think they're planning to add him to the forty man roster in the off season. So let's get into standings. Let me close that up. As of now, last I checked it was an eight to four game in Minnesota. Let's see if that's still the case. Or not in Minnesota, in LA, where the twins are facing uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Where is that score? Uh, apparently, my screen decided to move off of that score. So, oh, it's an eight-to-five final. So it is official. Cleveland is now up a game in the wild card. Uh, one of the big additions, Michael Fulmer, picks up the loss for um, four minutes out of the Griffin Jacks is the one who really struggled for them. Not the best start for Sonny Gray. I mean, this is a highly active team at the deadline. And they've had a harder schedule. Um, What's interesting is with this loss, they're now a game behind Cleveland. And by the way, if you weren't paying attention, Cleveland is now tied in record with Baltimore and Tampa. That's right. Baltimore and Tampa have the same record. If the season ended today, I don't know what the tiebreaker would be. But, I mean, the MLB website has Baltimore ahead of Tampa in the playoffs. Crazy, right? Remember how we were all talking about, oh, uh, and that's the thing. That Baltimore team sold at the deadline. I, I know they're ahead of schedule and this and that, but you know they traded Trey Mancini away. Uh, they've won two in a row. Uh, that's what, for three losses in a row for Minnesota, Cleveland has won four in a row. Cleveland's got to just keep getting the job done. They need to beat Detroit tomorrow. Detroit is historically bad offense. I mean, I really like that team. If you had told me at the start of the year that Tarek Skubal would turn himself into one of the best young lefties in baseball, I'd be like, okay. The Tigers are winning this division, maybe. They had the pitching. I didn't expect their entire staff to get hurt. I didn't expect every single hitter to underperform. It's been crazy. I I don't even know what's going on there. I mean, Brad Ausmus is an... No, it's not Brad Ausmus. It's um, A.J. Hench, who's obviously an intelligent manager. But, boy, things have gone wrong in Detroit, and Cleveland needs to keep piling on uh, to that sadness and... Take advantage of the fact that they can build up a bit of a, a lead here before going to Toronto, who you know is starting to run away with that top wild card spot. They have a no, no, change that because Seattle is, is a half a game behind them. But still, I mean, it, their winning percentages, Seattle and Toronto, are higher than Cleveland's. So yeah, those are some tough teams. Uh, you look at a lot of the separators. It really feels like the the Yankees, the uh, the Astros. And the Toronto Blue Jays are kind of the three top-tier teams. Everyone else is kind of competing beneath them. But as we saw at the recent uh, weekend series against the Astros, you never know what's going to happen in baseball. But on the other side, here we are, right mid-August. Guardians have a one-game lead in the Central, as we all expected. Uh, enjoy this team. It is a fun team. It has a, my one knock right now is you know we're calling up all the young kids and not letting him play i'd like to still see them play a little bit more but i also realize tito's going to stick with uh, with miller until they take him away the same way he stuck with clement until they took him away the same way he will stick with Shaw until that toy gets taken away that is where it's going to be with this team oh I, re- I finally remember my last note cody morris has to be activated on the 12th we assume jake jewel would be out and off the 40 man he has to be added to the 40 man he does not have to be promoted but the other takeaway from the show was Andre not trying to be like, you know, keep this name in mind, remember this name. I mean, he is decimating AAA right now. Uh, if he was healthy, I think he would have had a chance as a starter this year. He is definitely going to be a reliever. I think, you know, Lavastita being on the 40-man, Morris being on the 40-man, those are two very likely people to be added after September 1st when we get the roster expansion with Morris maybe before then. I, honestly... If if this was OOTP baseball and I was running this team, I mean, the law, obviously, i would never an effort with Shaw. But a guy in Shaw's situation where his contract, he's going to keep going up. You're going to have to pay him more money even though he's not playing well. He should be, if I was in charge of the Guardians, he would be like, oh, I'd be like, sorry, Tito. Uh, guess what? It's going to save us money for next year. It's going to save us money overall. And he's just not doing anything to justify keeping him. We've got this young flamethrower. It's time for him to come up. Because unless you're sending down Eli Morgan, who are you taking off this team? Are you sending down Nick Sandlin, who's been really effective since he came back? You're not sending down 99. If Morris is ready to go, there's only one player that is conceivable, and that's Brian Shaw. I'm Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked On Guardians podcast. Remember, rate and review, download daily. It helps. We're getting close to 500 subscribers on the YouTube. So please, if you have not, go and subscribe there. After that, the goal is 1,000, because another... Uh, stream of revenue would be very nice for this show Uh, and as I end every episode now basically since the name changed Go Go Guardians Go